So we are uh, and have been journeying through, um, through what? Knowing and knowing Jesus and making him known. That's uh, a vision, purpose, ambition that we might know him. The best and greatest thing, knowing him. To know him, to love him, to obey him, to become like him, to live out for him, to, to be um, like Jesus to one another and to the world that we live in. And so that's what we want to be like. We want to live like that. We want to live like Jesus. And so what, what comes against us? What stops us? What enemies do we face that we need to be aware of, that we need to uh, recognise? What comes against us? Well, I can't remember. A few weeks ago, I talked about the world. So there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they work together with the power of sin to stop us, the people of God, knowing Jesus fully and making him known uh, fully. So what is the flesh, I hear you cry? What is the flesh, I hear you cry? Um, it's, the, uh, it's a Greek word, sarks, and it can mean at least three different things in the New Testament. So um, it, sometimes we, we struggle with that. We read the Bible and we, we think, well, why does it say that there and it says this here? And that's a bit difficult. But in English, we have words that mean different things, don't we? So let's take, for instance, the word squash. Squash. So immediately, when I say the word squash, different things come to your mind, I'm sure. Because one of the things you can do with a squash is you can eat it. It's a vegetable, isn't it, James? Uh, another thing you can do with squash is you can play it, can't you, Chris? You can hit the ball against the wall. Squash. Uh, or, or if you're a bit thirsty, you could actually drink some squash, couldn't you? So, um, or if you were a bit annoyed with someone... Uh, you could destroy them by squashing them. So squash, depending on how you use it, means different things. Have you got any other? Yeah, yeah. Get up close to, be to squash together. Well, it's a bit squashed in here, isn't it? Any more advances on squashing? <laughs> okay. So with this, with this Greek word that's translated into English, it can mean like flesh. Your physical body, you are flesh and blood. It can mean, flesh can mean uh, people. We are all flesh. We're people, we're humanity. It can also mean, and I'm, I've been practicing this word. You know when you get a word in your mind and you just can't say it properly? Well, here's my attempt at saying a word that you're all going to know that I can't say. Ethnicity. See there. So a person's uh, race, racial, cultural, national identity, their history, their their language, their food, their customs that show they're different from other ethnic groups. Okay. So when Paul writes to uh, the church in in Philippi, and he says to them, "Don't put your confidence." in the flesh, what he's really saying is, don't put your confidence in your Jewishness. Don't put confidence in the fact that you are Jews and somehow superior to other people. 
Don't have any confidence in the flesh, only in Jesus. Have no confidence in the flesh. And what he's saying is, don't have any confidence in the fact that you're a Jew. So none of those definitions are are a problem to us. Um, Our physical body is not our enemy. Other people are not our enemy. And other ethnic groups, they're not our enemy either. So what are we talking about when we're talking about the flesh being the enemy, so the world, the flesh and the devil? So it's this thing that Paul writes about. Uh, to various churches. So if you read the book of Romans, uh, the book of Galatians, the book of Ephesians, you will see that flesh is an enemy that comes against us in following Jesus and being like him. So the Bible translators uh, from Greek to English use words or phrases like this, cravings, cravings of our flesh or sinful passions, the sinful nature. Interesting, just a little side bit here. If you read certain versions of the New International Version of the Bible, uh, later or earlier translations will translate uh, sinful nature, and then the newer versions, they've decided, oh, actually, that's not quite what we want to say. So they're using the word flesh. Just, just thought I'd let you know that. So different versions of the Bible you read will bring uh, a different word uh, to the table um, that is speaking about the sinful nature, the corrupt desire, the evil desires. Basically, words that are expressing that flesh is speaking about a sinful appetite or wrong desires that aren't pleasing to God. So as, as humanity, as fallen humanity, as sinful people, the flesh feels very natural. So it's the natural to us. And it can feel very right to us. And it can feel very good to us. But God says it's wrong. And when we come to a realisation that there are some things that we do and say and be that God is saying that's wrong, we might feel uh, guilty about it, ashamed of it, terrible about it. Uh, we might do something about it in confessing it and asking God to forgive us, or we might just carry around the shame and guilt because we haven't got sane enough yet to realise that f- confession and forgiveness and repentance is really good for us. Or it might be that you, I mean, obviously not you, of course, never, never one of us, but you might meet someone who's who's fully aware that they're doing something, but they're rather proud about it. They boast about it. Oh, you should have seen us last night down at the... Oh, what an evening. And people boast about it. So the things that God says, actually, you should be ashamed about, us natural people boast about it, rejoice in it and think it's a good and great thing. And don't understand why all these other people are going... Well, there's something wrong with you. No, no, you're missing out. You are, says the flesh and the world. Um, the, the pastor and scholar, scholar Eugene Peterson, who translated uh, the message version that we've got, uh, gives this as a definition. The, f- the, flesh, the flesh as the corruption that sin has introduced into our very 
appetites and instincts. So sin gets into our natural person and so basically the flesh is at work. So this strong desire for self-gratification, self-gratification, it's all about me. It's all about me and it's all about what I want. It's all about what I like, when I like, how I like. Flesh turns a want into a need. I need it. I need this to survive. I want it. Flesh and sin, they want to produce addictions within us, addictions to sin. It's especially to do with those desires around sex and food and pleasure and greed. The, the need, I think about this, the need to survive. You know, if people are in uh, a, a, a terrible situation where they could lose their lives, you know, I was thinking about the Titanic, the ship sinking. I'm sure there were some people there that went over and above to help and rescue other people. They gave their lives up for other people. But I also reckon there were those people where the flesh got so hold of them, they were so scared that they literally trod over other people to save themselves. And the flesh will want us to save ourselves at the cost of other people in all, not just on the Titanic, but in all other sorts of ways as we live in this world. So the desire, flesh is the desire to have power, to have influence and control over other people. So I, I know what I want, but now I want you to do what I want. And I want you to do what I want when I want and how I want. I want you to agree with me and just do as I say. Like, if you want to have an opinion, I'll tell you it. Thank you very much. Then you can have your own opinion once I've told you it. And if we're honest with ourselves, that desire is in all of us. It's in all of us. It's the dark side of the human heart. We might not want to admit it. We might want to not want to go there. But in our weaker moments, in those moments of frustration, when we just want that person to do that and we want control, it's our flesh at work because we can't let go and trust God and trust that person, we need to control and sort the situation out because, well, the flesh is at work. So the flesh, this enemy, wants to dominate us. It wants to control us. It wants to destroy us. It wants to keep us from knowing Jesus and making him known, to stop us living out God's purpose and will in our lives. The flesh desires to tie us up in knots so that we're not able to follow Jesus and do the things that we want because we're caught up with something else, something that's really good and great or something that's really terrible and we hate. But either way, we are so caught up with it, tied up with it. So the flesh wants to distract us, get us addicted to something, anything apart from Jesus. Now, if we're recognising that the flesh is our enemy, we need to be on our guard, don't we? We need to be alert. We need to stand firm in the faith. We need to be 
courageous. We need to stand strong in Jesus. And I recognise that the flesh uh, works in two ways in those believing in Jesus. Okay? So um, one way is the area of uh, legalism, the law. Okay? So Jesus plus. So Jesus is good, but what you also need to do is this. And if you do that, then, then you're okay. So at, at the time of Paul's writings of his letters, there was a, a certain fraction of Jewish Christians. And they said, basically shorthand, believing in Jesus is really good. But what you really need to do on top of that, uh, my friends, is to uh, be circumcised. Okay, guys? So it's Jesus and circumcision. Circumcision is, is that saying that you're going to follow the whole law. If you do that thing, then you'll follow the law. So you must. If you want to follow Jesus and belong to him and share the good news, then you must do this thing. Because the law is still binding on all Jesus' followers. That's what they believed. And that's what they were trying. This false teaching was trying, it was a form of flesh, trying to control and influence and have power over the other people, say what they must do, what they should do, and what they shouldn't do. You need to keep the law of, of Moses. And uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 to 4, Paul says this, listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ, Jesus, will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favour with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. See, he's using the words cutting off. If you cut off something in your flesh to put yourself right with God, you're actually cutting yourself off from the grace of God. Because it's Jesus only Jesus that can save us from the power of sin and death. Following the law cannot save you. It hasn't saved anybody. It hasn't saved anyone. All but what the law has done, it has shown you your need of grace. It's shown you your need of a saviour. It's shown you your need of someone who can fulfil the law and live it out for you so that you can take on the right, you can become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so what to that, that's grace. That's the gift of God. That's freedom. And so the flesh goes, oh, no, 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 no. It can't be like that. Surely, surely you must uh, do what you've got to do. So they were teaching to be truly right with God. You've got, you know, the, the whole Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You've got to live by it and keep it. But no one can. Paul um, left it. He said, I consider it all rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus. So adding 
any human work. So here we're talking about that. But don't, don't be fooled into thinking that we aren't tempted to have, add other human works to the gospel of Jesus. So adding human works to God's grace overlooks the very meaning of grace, the free gift of God. So there's no need to follow the law. However, so if that is one thing that um, flesh wants us to fall into, legalism, well, the other thing that flesh wants us to fall into is license, or to say it another way, lawlessness. I know, I believe in Jesus. I've got my ticket to heaven, so I can do whatever I like because God is so good, he forgives me. In fact, when I sin, I make God look even better because he just shows you what a gracious, kind, loving father is, that he'll just forgive me for whatever I do. And Paul's going, no, it's not legalism and it's not license and lawlessness. So, It's both false teaching. So he says to the church at Rome, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So we don't want to live in in legalism and heavy way, but equally we don't want to live in license and lawlessness Neither of those are right. It's the way of freedom. Freedom which we'll come to. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 14 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Not lust, in love. New Testament love, not worldly love. Not worldly lust, but in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Okay, are you following this? Ephesians 2 8 to 10. We're going to be reading lots of Bible now. So, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. Any credit. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, his workmanship, his creation. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace is opposed to deserving. Well, if I work really hard, then I'll deserve God's love. And if I do this, I'll please love. That's not grace. Grace is a gift. Grace is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to work. Okay? We are saved by grace to do the good works God has prepared for us, not out of a law, but out of a love. 
out of relationship, out of not out of a I must do this or I can do this, but I want to live for him. I want to please him. I want to honour him. I want to give him glory, honour and praise by the way I live. All because of everything he's done for me. Christ, God in a human body, died in my place instead of me. The righteous for the unrighteous. His death brought me life. Where there is a death, there is resurrection. Where there's an ending, there's a new beginning. There's new life in Jesus. So Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24. Please, thank you. It says this. Paul writes to church, Ephesus, he says this. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, the non-Jews, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. So we know that people have got closed uh, minds, hard hearts towards God. We need to have open minds and soft hearts towards God. They practice every sort of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature. Get rid of the flesh and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, lies. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He calls us to right living. He calls us to be different from the world and, and different from religious legalism. Jesus offers the way of freedom. So there is a pathway, a narrow way, the way of freedom, the way of relationship with Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit. And each side, there is a slippery slope. One that falls into uh, the law, I must, I ought, I should, I, well, yes, but I need, I, you know, I can't just purely rely on Jesus, I've got to do this as well. And then the other one that says, I can and I will, and I'll just indulge the gratification of my sinful nature and think God's great. No, it is the way of freedom in Jesus. Bud, blood bought, redeemed people, set free to become the people that God has made us to be. Our true selves in Christ, the true people we made to be, so that we can flourish and make God known to all. It's good news 
when we know who we are in him and walk in the freedom from sin and live a powerful life in the Holy Spirit. So, so what is freedom? What is true freedom? The flesh and the world that we live in, the fallen system of the world, will say this, that freedom is able, being able to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, to whoever you want to do it to, well, as long as you don't hurt them, little caveat there, as long as you don't hurt them, but of course, how do we know that what we are doing or saying isn't going to hurt somebody? Because it feels so good to us, and it feels so right to us, that we're so caught up in ourselves and what we want because we live in a fallen world and because, my friends, the Western world that we live in worships personal freedom. It worships personal freedom. It worships autonomy and it's about me and what I want without any regard for community or family, or friends. It just, it's all about, it just it encourages the I in us. But that freedom is corrupt and e- evil. Jesus' freedom, I've said, it's the freedom from the power of sin and death and evil so that we are able to be the people he's made us to be. It says that the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Free to be the person that he's made you to be. Free to say the things you need to say. Free to be silent. Free to get involved. Free not to get involved in something. Free to do what he's telling you to do. Free to live in relationship with him. So we want to be those that recognise and resist the enemy of the flesh. What helps us to resist and overcome the flesh? What helps us to fight the flesh? Well, let's go back to Galatians, and I'm going to read a chunk of that. And it says this. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 26. I'll read it slowly, so hopefully it will, will get into us, but I'll encourage you to read it again. So this is what Paul says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you've got a fight going on inside of you, constantly. So you you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, 
selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. So it's not an exclusive list of the flesh. Let me tell you again, as I've as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You won't get the kingdom of God. You won't get the rule and reign and the power authority in your life. You won't have it. But the Holy Spirit produces uh, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. These are good things. These are really, really good things. And he goes on to say that those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, big-headed, or provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. Let us live by the Spirit. The New International Version uses this phrase, so walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the cravings of the sinful nature. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So how, how can we fight the flesh? How can we overcome the flesh? Well, Paul's saying, by the Spirit of God. It's by having your thoughts, your attitude, your thinking totally changed by Jesus. So firstly, what we need, we need to know Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we know the Father. And when we know Jesus, we know the Father, we know the Holy Spirit. We need a relationship with Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of Jesus, with the Spirit of God. We need him. We need relationship with him so that he will lead us, and guide us, and teach us, and remind us, and convict us. Specifically, not a general feeling of you're just such a terrible person, but Holy Spirit saying, uh, what, what are you doing? What, what are you looking at? What are you thinking about? You're what? That sort of relationship where we just go, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be thinking this. Oh, he... I'm sorry, like, we don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. We want him to be leading and guiding us and ruling us and reigning us so that we are free, we are free in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we need relationship. So we need to believe in Jesus, be born again of the Spirit and receive the gift of the Spirit so that he's fully in us and at work in us. Come Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Change me. But we need to cooperate with Holy Spirit. We need to, as we read earlier, get rid of the old life, move away from the old, and get into the new spirit relationships. So, one of the things that we need to do 
is that we really need to think. Okay, That is submit our minds, submit our thoughts, our attitudes, our appetites to Holy Spirit. So Romans chapter 5, uh, sorry, chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8, says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So, personal question. What is controlling my mind? What is controlling your mind? Is it the flesh or is it the Holy Spirit? And to be honest with you, it's probably depending on what day of the week it is and what time it is, what I've just watched, who I've just spoken to. Because if I'm honest, I waver between uh, like the, the Spirit of God, yeah, and then um, listening to my flesh, listening to my ungodly appetites. And if, if I'm honest, I feel like listening to the Spirit is harder work. And it's so easy to indulge my flesh and think about my flesh, my feelings, what I want, when I want. So easy to fall into that. But I desire and want the Spirit of God. So what is controlling my mind, your mind, the flesh or Holy Spirit? Because there is the law of sowing and reaping. There is a law and it works out. So sow a thought, sow a thought and you will reap an action. You'll think about it, you'll do it. You sow an action, you will reap a habit. You, you do something, you'll keep doing something, good or bad, of the flesh or of the spirit. If you sow your habit, you will reap a character. Other people go, oh, that's so out of character for me. No, it's not, because look, that's what you're doing. That's what you're saying. It is your character. You've made choices to go with the flesh or with the Spirit? Who's controlling you? So, if we sow our character, we will reap a destiny. It's the law of sowing and reaping. The only, the only way we can truly change it is changing our thinking, submitting our thinking to the leadership of Holy Spirit, to the relationship of Holy Spirit. Not by... Uh, just like working really hard and trying to be a good boy or a good girl, we can't do it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit. So following the law is like going for a walk with a great big heavy rucksack on you and it weighs you down and it pushes you down and you think, oh. But imagine this, when God says, I'm going to do a new thing in you, I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. I'm going to put a new power inside you. It's like opening up the rucksack and having a load of power bars inside of it or really good healthy food that you eat it. The weight 
is off your back. The goodness is inside of you, empowering you and equipping you to do the right thing and live the right thing. Not by an external law, but by the power of the Spirit inside of us. And it's we need to decide whether we are going to cooperate with Holy Spirit and resist our flesh. It's up to us. It's our choice. But we need to recognise that this is the flesh at work and maybe we need to go back to the cross and nail it there again and just say, I am nailing this to the cross of Jesus. You're dead to me. You're not life to me. You're death to me. And so I'll nail you to the cross. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to agree with you anymore. I refuse to do it anymore. I repent. I turn away. And now I embrace. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting me to do? And I will do it in reliance on you by the power of the Spirit and not by my flesh. I mean, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin... Gouge it out. If your hand calls you to sin, cut it off. It's stark language, but he's saying, look, your life with me and the kingdom and the spirit is so much more important than whatever you're trying to hold on to for dear life because it's not life, it's death to you. So, time's gone. So, Holy Spirit, please convict me Convict me. Show me what I'm doing that is displeasing to you. Show me those things that I am addicted to. Show me where my appetite is all out of control. Where my appetite is destroying me. Where I'm addicted to mobile phone, social media, other people's opinions, games, TV, whatever it is, would you show me, Lord? And where I know it, may I deal with it ever so severely. And where I don't know, Lord, I pray that you would show me, convict me by your spirit so that I will walk and live by the spirit and not by my flesh. Lord, I really want to know you. I really want to know you, Holy Spirit. I really want to be one who lives with you and for you because I want to do that. I want to please you. I want to walk in the way of freedom. I want to walk in that narrow path. Help me, Lord, from slipping into legalism or slipping into license and lawlessness. Help me walk in the way of freedom, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and have your way with me, I pray. Holy Spirit, renew my thoughts and my attitudes. Help me put on the new nature created to be like God. Help me to truly be righteous and holy. Help me, Lord, to work out your salvation in me with fear and trembling. Jesus, You're amazing. How 
how we need you. Thank you for your gift of grace. Come Holy Spirit, have your way amongst us and do what only you can do. Set us free and help us to live with you. Amen.